Before we get going into your Hockey IQ podcast episode, I want to thank our sponsor, Rapid Shot. Rapid Shot is the smart shooting lane. Uh, it's like a batting cage for hockey players. Very cool. Tracks your shot in three ways. Accuracy, shot speed, and reaction time. Uh, easy to use. Uh, actually, I used it when I played and was growing up. Very easy. Simply scan your phone in, select your settings, and start shooting. Uh, you can see your stats on the app and online. And you can check them out at rapidshot.com. Uh, great small business. I actually grew up with one of the owner's sons and have played with all the family members by now. Uh, just in local pickups here in Ohio. Very cool local business. Awesome product. I love it. I know quite a few NHLers have them in their homes. Uh, a lot of D1 programs have it at their rinks. So you have to check this out. Rapidshot.com. Check it out. Rapidshot, thank you so much for sponsoring our podcast. On this episode of the Hockey IQ podcast, we sit down with Petri Karjalainen. This was an absolutely wonderful episode. For the past three seasons, he's been the national team coach with the 03 birth year, so he just finished up the U18s. And it's just a wealth of knowledge here. Uh, I I really enjoyed his story. Even prior to that, uh, he won the World Junior Gold uh, with Finland. The year prior, they were actually in the relegation round. So very curious to see the differences between the two there, how the finish structure works between the club teams, and the national teams, talking development, looking at what skills the Finland's currently focusing on, how they're going about improving their offensive goal scoring. Just a wonderful episode. Very gracious, nice person. Uh, really enjoyed this. Uh, I know English is not always a strong suit, but I thought it came through very, very clear and concise. So really excited to share this episode with you. Uh, without further ado, our episode with Petri. On the Hockey IQ podcast today, we bring on Petri Karhalainen. Close. Yeah, it was definitely yeah close. close. So I'll, I'll take that, but uh, really excited to have you on. Uh, obviously, a uh, very finished name and, and from a great hockey country. Got some Great background knowledge, um, and I'm very excited to dig into your background because it's not uh, the typical that you would see playing high-level hockey and then going into coaching. So thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me. It's it's honor for being always in a podcast, and of course, doing this from from Finland, it's far away, far, far away from you guys. So it's it's pleasure to be here. Absolutely. Well, let's let's start with a little bit of background on. Uh, where you came from to where you are today. So uh, maybe, maybe give the, the quick and skinny, but uh, it could go for a long time because you, you've had quite the adventures. You've, you've been in multiple countries and I know your dad was a coach. Yeah. Uh, I try to make a short verse, uh, version of this. So like I said earlier, I don't have basically playing career. Uh, I quit playing hockey when I was 15 and started coaching right after that. And uh, I was basically always okay hockey player. Uh, not very good. Maybe not the worst worst player on the team. And uh, that was probably one of the reasons why I jumped to the coaching. I wanted to be around the, around hockey, around the ice rink. And uh, then after a few years, I started thinking that, hey, maybe this is something that I want to really put effort on. and. Uh, uh, see that 
if there's possibility of sometimes working in hockey, maybe coaching. In that time, there wasn't that many professional coaches uh, in Finland, for example. It was only the men's league, and that's about it. And uh, But short version, I went to from Oulu, which is my hometown. Uh, went to Helsinki first, coached over there, and then I got a little bit lucky. I was in hockey school in uh, in Canada, in Penticton, and uh, get to know the Swiss Swiss. Swiss agent then uh, afterwards he was the GM of one team and uh, he was the one who got me arranged to the Switzerland and I went to Davos uh, unbelievable place really good really good organization uh, from hockey wise and uh, awesome place to live <laughs> uh, spent there three years and uh, after that, I came back to Finland uh, to work in Oulu. Uh, basically, so story short, I have been uh, assistant coach in the men's league, a uh, couple different organizations, head coach in uh, second highest level, two different teams, uh, junior A head coach. Uh, and then one year in, in Russia, uh, in KHL, first in Magnitogorsk, and then we were fired, which is pretty typical over there. And uh, then I went to Novosibirsk for the rest, rest of the season. Uh, Dimitri Juskevich was the head coach, former former NHL player, and uh, enjoyed my time a lot in, in Russia. It's a different culture, different country, different language. Uh, everything is different, but the league is really good. Uh, like, really, really good. I think the best league after the NHL uh, is played in, in Russia. And then uh, came back to Finland. And I was now last three years, I was a national team head coach. Uh, 2003 born players. So basically we start in when the boys are under 16 national team and then we go three years with the same group and uh, we finish it now in the world championship in spring and then your project is done so that was the fast forward of the, my ice hockey experience so far yeah quite, quite the experience not not bad for a, a guy who was six foot five back in the days when <laughs> uh, you could just hit your way to the pros so yeah yeah, exactly. But then you got into coaching. Yeah, and uh, I was, like I said, I was really lucky with many, many things that uh, I have been able to work in Switzerland. I have been able to work in Russia, uh, different organizations in Finland. And then I was uh, three years assistant coach in uh, U, uh, U20 national teams. So I have uh, three totally different kind of uh, experience in the world juniors like we were first year we were in russia in in ufa uh, we went to the relegation rounds uh, next year we win the championship in in sweden and then we had first uh, montreal toronto uh, championships and we lost uh, quarterfinals to sweden so basically i have been experienced everything in world juniors champion and the relegation rounds and the quarterfinal lost. So 
but like I said, uh, really good experiences, a uh, lot to learn. I have been really lucky uh, that already now I have been able to experience a lot and uh, learn a lot. Uh, hopefully there's still something to learn in the future also. There's always something to learn. We, we all know that. But I'm, I'm curious of that World Junior Championship experiences that you've had, um, international play, maybe in general here. You went from the relegation round to winning it all within one year. Um, obviously, player talent is, is a large driver of that. But maybe what were some of the differences on how you went about forming the team, developing the team, and, and eventually becoming the champion that year. I know you had some great players like Ristolainen, scored the winner, Saros, and that was okay. Yeah. Um, we had the, the first year I was there, we had like a 90, 90, 93 and 94 born players. And uh, we were actually really highly, highly touted and expected that we are going to go all the way in, in that year. Uh, we had... Uh, like Joel Armia was on the team, uh, Sasha Parko was like uh, two years younger already then was on the team. Uh, Arturi Lehkonen was already two years younger in then, but it just never worked really well. Uh, uh, then we had uh, injury problems, uh, not problems, but always if, uh, in the world juniors, if you have injuries, they are affecting on something. It, uh, it, uh, it was the time that you could only have like a 20 skaters plus uh, three goalies. So you have few injuries there. It's right away problems. And uh, we played really good games before the World Championship. We we had like uh, exhibition games in, in December. Uh, we beat USA and uh, I think we beat both USA and Canada. Uh, played really good hockey, but then... In, in World Juniors, it just didn't work quite well. So the next season, it was then 94, 95 born players. And uh, basically, we went to Sweden with no expectations. Like uh, if year earlier, we had a lot of pressure. Uh, players took the pressure themselves. But then the next year, nobody expected nothing. And uh, like I said, we had a really good goaltending. We were really good uh, defensively. Uh, we had a really good PK, and then the players stepped up in the right right situations. Uh, we had a, I think it was semifinals that we play against Canada, uh, beat them four one, and then of course the final against the Sweden. From the Finnish point of view, it's pretty nice to win the final against the Sweden in Sweden, um, but. Uh, have to also admit that if we would have played that game like seven times, probably Sweden would have won it five times. Uh, so we were we were on the top on the right moment. And like I said, that uh, uh, Saros in the net was a pretty big factor that we won the gold medal. So how did you prepare a team like that? Obviously, you didn't. You had some great offensive players. I mean, Teravainen led the tournament in scoring, I believe. But beyond that, um, most of your skill was on the back end. Uh, you had yeah. four defenders that ended up playing in the NHL. You see Saros, who's a phenomenal goaltender. You know, how do you prepare a team for a tournament like that? 
I think you have to look a little bit longer time time period than the one year because, like I said, the whole situation in a, the whole program here in Finland that you go, we uh, first time we create the national team when the players are 16. So basically, they players get to know each other really well during that time when they play U16, U17, U18 national teams. So when they come to uh, U20, uh, like World Junior Age, uh, they might have together like, I don't know how many, maybe 60 national team games already in a different uh, age group. But they are used to play together. They are used, to, they know each other really well. Like I said earlier, we are a pretty small country. Uh, uh, we don't have to play a pool like thousands of players that we pick the players. It's more or less, uh, maybe in the beginning, beginning you have more, but uh, when they are U18, you have maybe 40 players that you are using in different tournaments. So I think that uh, you don't have to make so many uh, big preparation, preparation uh, for the tournaments because the history is over there. Uh, and uh, it's actually quite easy here in Finland. <laughs> it was the same for, for us this spring. Like we didn't have any, we didn't play any national team games uh, during the season, but we had such a good culture uh, or the history already from the U16 and U17. So there's something that we can rely on. Uh, our game structure is at some point anyway. So I think that's maybe the biggest reason that we don't have to make big, uh, big thing on anything. We just do the things that we have done. Uh, and like I said, the biggest thing is that the boys, they know each other. They trust each other. Probably they have win the games together. They have lost the games together. And all those experiences are coming quite handy when you are playing in the uh, basically do or die games in the world juniors. Yeah. So it seems like you've got a very specific structure that helps bring all of this together. And obviously being a smaller country where you can travel around uh, helps, but these players together for three, four, um, potentially even, you know, being around each other for at least five years before they get to that point. You know, what what does the Finnish hockey structure look like? Because you've got the club structure where each club's trying to pr produce their own talent, but then obviously you've got the national team, which is trying to produce the best national team possible. You've got Canada on one hand, which basically brings like tournament teams. And then you've got the U.S., which has their development program where the kids actually live there. You know, what, what does Finland look like? Uh, maybe provide um, more, more detail on that yeah, and how they integrate yeah, we are something between over there. Uh, of course, we have to sometimes been a little bit envy to the U U.S. coach because <laughs> they are spending 300 days, days a year in, together. Uh, I counted the days, days when we were U17. We have around 50 or 60 days together as a team. Of course, there's a little bit uh, changes in the in the roster always, but. Uh, uh, our strength and our power in hockey is basically our cooperation with the team, with the organizations, with the club teams. Uh, always when we have a tournament, we pick the players, we try to win as many hockey games as possible. 
like I said, our game structure is quite clear. It starts already from U U16. Uh, then we are always just a little bit putting something over there and uh, developing it. But then always when the tournament is over and the players are going back to the club teams, uh, we as a national team coaches, we go through every player. Uh, we travel to the club teams. We sit together with the player and with the coach and go through the feedback from the tournament uh, on what we should uh, focus on on the future. Uh, look a little bit videos. So I think that's our strength in Finland. Uh, like I said, uh, uh, basically Finnish ice hockey organis. Uh, Finnish Ice Hockey Association uh, national teams, they are for the club teams, they are for the club organizations, uh, not the other way around. So it's, and we as a national team coaches, we create really good relationship with the coaches. Uh, basically, we are not the ones who are coaching the players, we are not the ones who are developing the players. The club team coaches are the ones. So basically, who we are trying to affect are the club team coaches, and they are trying to affect on a player. Uh, like everybody understands that uh, when the players are coming to the national team for the tournament, we don't uh, develop players in the tournament. Uh, the developing is happening in, a, in a practices and the club team games. So basically, we are just enjoying the work of the other coaches and... Uh, of course, you can always blame if we lose the games that it's it's their fault, but uh, usually it's not their fault. And uh, always when we win, uh, you have to remember that it's not the national team coaches who win those games. It's basically the players and the club team coaches who have developed their skills and their ability to win the hockey games. That's that's funny. Yeah, it's, it's never uh, your, your reason why they win, and it's always your fault when you lose. Yeah, That's the coach's dilemma <laughs> right there. But that's that's funny. Um, and you've, you've kind of seen this on both sides because you've been a club coach uh, before you were a national team coach and you're going back uh, to a club. So I'm curious, you know, from both perspectives, you know, what are you looking to accomplish? How are you going about development? How are you going about organizing and allowing these players um, to own their own development a little bit uh, so they can really push uh, the development curve and allow you to compete at such a high, high level? Yeah. <laughs> It's not easy, and I think it's a little bit getting more and more difficult all the time. The, uh, the top players now are very, first of all, they are very well. Uh, uh, the people is watching them, the media is following them, the social media is following them. They are already uh, making predictions for who, who will be first round draft pick uh, on players who are born 05. So, uh, it's a little bit, uh, this is just my own feeling that we are a little bit forgetting the uh, basically the development view of the young players or the actual work. To uh, You have to done the work. You have to actually practice a lot. You have to mentally grow. Uh, but like you asked from the, from the point, both point of views, uh, I enjoy a lot as a club team coach when the national team coach is coming to our practice, uh, is coming to 
talk with my player who has maybe been in a national team tournament. Uh, so we can together put some steps for the player that uh, what should be our goal, how should be, what kind of actions do we have to take to reach those goals? Is it uh, like a short period of time or a long period of time? And uh, uh, I hope that when I was a national team coach also for the club team, coaches had the feeling when I came to visit them and uh, talk with them that uh, they are also getting something from it. Uh, I think now the coaches are pretty good and pretty smart already. It doesn't matter are they NHL coaches or uh, no. Basically, none of us is ready already. And uh, you can always, it, it doesn't matter are you talking to coach who is coaching a uh, baseball for 10 year old kid probably you can get something from him also in a coaching point of view or the or the, or the leadership or just how the how to develop young young boy or girl it doesn't matter and uh, for that i think now it's getting much more it, it's not anymore that uh, you have an experienced coach who is going somewhere to lecture because he also wants to have a discussion he also wants to learn something from get something from the guy who's listening to you and uh, in that uh, we have done really good job here in Finland like uh, it's a really good communication uh, both both parties it, it doesn't matter is it the club team or it doesn't matter is it the association or national team coaches we are respecting each other and we know that without the other part we can't do this. Like, uh, like I said, we are not. Ice Hockey Association national team are not for the club teams. It's, uh, we try to support the club teams and the coaches and the players. Uh, it, national team is also very important for the players. Of course, you get the exposure for the. Uh, is it the NHL or is it some other leagues? around the world but of course young boys at the moment it's mainly NHL and without the without national team games or tournament it's still possible but it's way more difficult uh, to get that kind of exposure that uh, you get picked and you get the basically chance to sign the NHL contract which everybody is looking for that's awesome and I'm, I'm curious as well um are you sitting down with just the t players that you had at the tournament or are you kind of being proactive as well in looking at potential players that, you know, depending on their development, because development's not linear, as we all know, are you sitting yeah. down with potential pool players and looking at how can they potentially get themselves onto that team? Or is it when they're ready, they're ready. And then as they come onto the scene, that's when you start working with them. Uh, basically, uh, you're always giving the feedbacks for the for players who have been in a tournament. But of course, every player who we have in that in that pool that we are picking the players, uh, more or less, you all the time keep keep there in your mind. You talk with the coaches where they are at the moment. Uh, you don't talk that much with with those players, unfortunately. Uh, if I would do something different now started again new year pro, uh, new three year program i would talk more with the, with those players uh, 
But it's it's go it like I said uh, we have a really good relationship with the coaches. So there are always a calls from the coaches and uh, that they call that uh, check it out this player that he has been really good. Uh, they they never call that hey pick this player, but they call that hey come and see that he has this and this player thing that he has developed a lot. So maybe he's suitable for you and. Uh, uh, also, the other way around, uh, uh, I have been talking with the players who have maybe played a lot of tournaments, that, but then there has been some setbacks and uh, that what you need to do, what you need to focus on to get back again to the national team and to be picked. And uh, But like I said, it's our strength, our how this our structure is, our program. Uh, I'm not sure it, would it be possible to organize something like that in a bigger country like uh, we are such a small country that we have to do it like this if we want to develop good players if we want to keep developing players for the for NHL or for KHL and uh, if we want to compete uh, in national team tournaments we have to we have to be really hands-on uh, from the younger age already I think we should uh, deep dive into that. Maybe, maybe use an example. I, I think uh, Brad Lambert's going to be a pretty high draft pick next year. Um, so maybe uh, if you're open to it, let's let's go through maybe what his development has looked like over the past few years um, and what you've seen. Uh, of course, uh, Brad has had a lot of problems earlier with the like many different small injuries and. Uh, and like I said, it's uh, the, how the players develop. It's never linear. Uh, and uh, of course, uh, if I compare it to, for example, in in the USA, uh, I think most of your players uh, they are playing in uh, in uh, that uh, program in Arn Arbor, uh, or when they are world juniors, they probably most of them are playing in in college hockey or some of them in UHL. But for us, like Brad played last year, I think 30, 40 games in, in men's league. And then we had, uh, I think we had five, five players who played more or less the whole season in the men's league. Then we have players who are playing junior A. Uh, actually, we uh, uh, in, in U17 year, you have even more variation that you might have players playing junior B, junior A, or let's say U18, U20, or the men's league. And then, of course, you might have some players who are coming to North America to play. But uh, what comes to Brad, uh, uh, the developing happens so much uh, in a club team, like I mentioned earlier. And now last year, he played with the men's team already. And uh, I think it developed his... Uh, like uh, whole game, uh, two-way games, uh, two-way playing, which is still work to be done. Every player who's 18, and there's a lot of work. Uh, if you look at uh, Brad's uh, ability with the skating skill, uh, with the puck handling skill, there it's he's like unbelievable player. But of course, you have to develop the game uh, I know that he wants to be a winning player. I want. I know that he wants to be the player who helps the team to win. And 
So what what does it take to be the the player who helps the team to win? Uh, is that it's not only scoring the goals uh, or putting the points on a board that uh, what kind of uh, decision making you are making with the puck uh, sometimes it's better just to hold the puck and keep it away from the dangerous areas rather than trying to uh, maybe win win one on one battle and lose the puck and that creates the turnover to your own end uh, he has made a good good steps learning on uh, basically how to become a better player to be that. Uh, uh, so you can be like a most valuable player. And uh, I think he's on a on the right track. Like I mentioned earlier, he has still a lot to, lot to work over there, but uh, I like the way he, he tries and he wants to be that kind of player. He doesn't want to. Uh, it's not that he wants to be just a goal scorer or a guy who puts the... Uh, making just a lot of points. He wants to be a winning hockey player. And uh, uh, for us, it's always it's always hard. Like, uh, what kind of role you have in a men's team uh, compared to what kind of role you would have in a, in U20 league. And uh, you always have to find the right spot for the player that... Uh, is it better that he's play maybe... Uh, Third line player in men's league, uh, not maybe power play time, a uh, little bit PK, or are you number one player in junior uh, U20 league and you get tons of the PK time, you get tons of the PP time, and you are the one who who the coach is looking you uh, coach is looking at you when the game has to be decided. So which one develops more and. Uh, but that's also luxury here in Finland that we can work with the players that uh, uh, they can play both. Uh, most of our young players, they are playing uh, men's team, maybe a little bit more over there, but then they also get the chance to play the U20 league where they have a bigger responsibility. They are the ones who are deciding the games. Is it a win or lose? It actually doesn't matter that much, but you have to be in that role that you are the one who decides the game. And uh, that's something that we have in Europe. It's the same in Sweden or in Switzerland or, or everywhere in, in Europe. If I compare to basically North America, you over there you either play the Pro League or you play the Junior League. So there's no... There's no there's no both and no between. So building off of that, um, I think that is important, having responsibility and understanding what it means to be the person responsible for driving the results, but then also kind of getting a taste. I think that's super valuable and something we don't do well. Um, but I'm, I'm curious almost like through the levels, right? You've had players for three years, so it might be – bit of a challenge to remember back, you know, what, what are the problems or most common development hurdles that you're seeing for U16s? Then what are the most common at the U17 level and then most common at the U18? So like, you know, what were the issues that you had to overcome at each level to push the group, push the players themselves uh, to their next level of development? 
I think the hurry, being in such a hurry, it's maybe. Uh, I don't think I don't see it as that's as a problem, but that's something that's affecting. Uh, of course, in national teams, we are always working with the most talented players in the in age group in our country. So uh, there's always situation: is it the is it the player? Is it the player's family, or is it player's uh, agents, or is it something else that? Uh, should I play already, like uh, if he is U16 player, should I play in U18 league? Should I play U20 league? Uh, and there has been, like I talked this like uh, in common, it's uh, many times you have a, let's say that you have a good goal scorer, uh, uh, forward. Uh, he's putting a lot of goals in, in U16. And then we are thinking that, hey, this is not the right level because he's scoring so many goals. And then we put him to the U18 league. There, me, there he might be still scoring some goals. And we are again thinking that he should be even promoting more. And then we put him to the U20 league and he doesn't score goals. And then we might have a goal scorer and we are all the time promoting him, promoting him. We are a little bit hurrying. Like I said, it's many times there are many aspects who are affecting it. And uh, that's our country's, uh, I think that's affecting the player development. That uh, we sometimes put them in a so high, we put that goal scorer so high that he doesn't anymore score, like, uh, score goals. And uh, that's where the responsibility of the uh, of course, the national team coaches, uh, we can always affect on the level that the players are playing. Uh, it's always the club team, uh, sport chief or the coach or whatever who decides it, but uh, we can for sure affect it. And, uh, uh, and that's something that I think I don't find anything else that uh, it's affecting so much other than being such a hurry. Uh, if I have been anything looking from far away that what kind of number, for example, Sydney Crosby put in, in Quebec Major Junior Hockey League, it wasn't any problem for him to score goals. So I don't understand why we are in such a hurry in Finland always to promote the players. Uh, one aspect over there is that our men's league is getting all the time younger and younger. So it, uh, it's affecting that our most talented players are, are playing in the men's team, are playing quite early in the men's team. That uh, we had uh, in our U18 World Championship team, we had uh, three players who played more or less the whole season in a men's team. And uh, it's like if we go 10 years back, five years back, it was never like this. We had maybe always then 10 players who played a U20 league. And most of the players, maybe or half of the team came from the U18 league. So that has been the change. And uh, uh, we will see where does it go. But uh, my experience with this three year is always the biggest thing is the hurry that uh, we would need to find the right spot for the player 
uh, that he has time to develop of course that he has also the challenge from the from the practices from the games that uh, of course if you have a player who puts five goals every game then he has to you have to promote him to the next level to so that he gets challenged to to his game but that's that balance is something that we have to find and uh, I think over there we can be better that is such a huge point I don't I mean I think you see that everywhere but it's probably more so um, when you have the next steps laid out like you have over there yeah. of not rushing through it. what I see personally is players that ru- get rushed they hit a point where they can't process the game at the game speed or slightly behind um, and where I found the true golden development is when the players are able to process the game a little bit faster than the actual pace of the game. It's still a challenge for them, but they can at least think through the situations. Obviously it's detrimental if you can just basically predict what's going to happen before it happens every single time. But I I think that that point you just made is, is one of the best we've ever had on this podcast of being able to hold players in that challenge but allowing them to get those points and process the game at a speed that's slightly faster than the game. Yeah, and like we, we have been talking a lot, uh, always basically for the, as long as I have been involved in the in national teams, we have been talking about the goal scoring, that we have to be able to develop more about. We have been making it like a really small point, how to, how to become better goal scorer? What what are the steps? What kind of skills? Uh, what you have to uh, do? And uh, maybe one of the biggest thing what we have came up from the that's that we have to first develop the players to defend, so that our goal scorers has to. There's a bigger challenge to go get that uh, scoring chance and uh, get chance to score a goal that let's focus on how we defend, how our individual players' uh, uh, defensive skills, what level they are, how our, what level our, basically our team defensive skills are. And uh, when we can improve those, when we can develop those, for sure our goal scoring is getting better uh, because they are facing better defensemen and uh, they are facing... Uh, bigger challenge of uh, getting already the scoring chance. Uh, and that's, uh, it's always in a national team tournament, uh, our forwards are getting that, that holy smoke that uh, if you have a club team game, you have maybe three seconds in that scoring situation. Uh, and when you go to the national team tournament, you have one second. So, the difference over there and uh, what are your basically challenges uh, how could defensive teams there are how could defensive players you are facing in uh, uh, for example the u18 world championship uh, it's totally different level than the, the club teams and that's something that when we can improve our defending like i said the individual defensive skills and the team defensive skills uh, it will automatically improve our goal scoring because they are facing much harder challenge. They are facing much 
the, you took the time away. You took uh, you take the pace of uh, time pace away, and uh, that's the thing. Like I said, this is my opinion that how we should focus on goal scoring. That let's let's work with the defending, and uh, it goes hand in hand. How do you teach those defend defending skills? What are you you know what are the elements you're focusing on when you're developing those and getting after that or having those discussions with the club coaches to focus on these are the skills we need to develop so we can make it more of a challenge for our goal scorers. Uh, I think the biggest thing is always the you know, skating skills, so skating ability. How can you uh, turn from the backward skating to forward, to forward from the backward? Uh, then the defensive side, the stick work. How are you able to defend with your stick? Uh, uh, take away the basically you can how you can always pressure the puck. Uh, how you can keep the so that the forward will not have no chance to take the forehand shot. Uh, and then I think it's more and more all the time coming. Basically, for us, it, the, the biggest surprise in defending was, or for me personally, was when we played the national team games, it's not how our defensemen are working in a diesel. They are they are doing pretty good. Like how they how they are in the uh, working position all the time, how they box out the players, how they uh, pressure the puck with the stick, how they battle on uh, loose pucks. But then the biggest thing is the how we are defending on those rushes. Uh, it's m- way more difficult than the T-zone defending. Uh, and it comes so much on your cap controller, which is affected uh, directly from your skating skills. Uh, and uh, if you're a good skater, you have the self-confidence to keep the cap, cap tight, you just... These are basic stuff, how you play between the dots. Uh, but those are the... Uh, we haven't invented anything new here in Finland. <laughs> it's a, it's the same old stuff. And, uh, uh, but that's something that we can improve. Uh, everything comes to back to skating skill, uh, which affects on your cap control. Uh, and... Uh, if you are a good skater, uh, then you can control the cap. Then your self-confidence is good enough. Uh, and the younger we go, even in a... I have said to players in a national team games that uh, rather play the cap a little bit over and sometimes cut beat in that one-on-one other than you just leave that seven-meter cap between the forward with uh, you can't do anything. That... Uh, I rather see you lose that one-on-one sometimes, not that you are not even competing it. That uh, somebody has sometimes said that if you want to get shot, then it's better be the wolf than the sheep. And I like to, I liked how it's put it, and uh, I can see directly how you can see it in the in the ice rink. But uh, basic stuff, uh, we have been focused a lot in the offensive skills, uh, scoring a goals, uh, even the offensive structure of the game, uh, and which has been a little bit taking off from the D side of the puck. And uh, I think that's something that 
Finnish hockey in general uh, and in national teams that uh, we can work with and it also helps to develop our offensive game. Wonderful, wonderful. Well, we're, we're coming up on time here and I really appreciate you uh, sitting down. I know you've got a nice big move upcoming here in the next yeah. few days. So again, congrats on that. Um, but before we end here, um, I'm just going to leave the floor open for you to talk about anything you want, whether that be skills, um, just things you want other coaches to know, things that you want players to understand better, um, just to let you run with it or just preach your philosophy on hockey, what, whatever it may be. So floor is all yours for anything. Uh, it's always a tough one because uh, I have been coaching while already almost 20 years, over 15 years full-time, and your philosophy is developing all the time. Uh, maybe 10 years back, I think I knew much more, but uh, the more experience you get, the more you know that you don't know basically anything. And uh, as long as you work with the people, you work with the individual persons, uh, there's always something to learn because we are talking about how you what's your leadership skills, what your uh, basically skills to work with different kind of persons, different kind of people. Uh, for me, if I like, what should I share with the other coaches? Uh, I actually think now that we are not, is it, we are not proud enough on how we do things. It doesn't matter how we finish or uh, are we Canadians or from states or or because now in the in the world world championships in U18 in spring that uh, I like the hockey what was played over there I was really proud of the way we competed uh, I wasn't totally happy on how we played uh, it was pretty much flip the coin hockey for us and. Uh, we had a really offensive skilled team and uh, scored a lot of goals, but we also gave a lot of goals. But uh, what I meant by this was that I was really, really basically positive. Uh, the feelings, how the how the team Russia played. I have been always envying how, how structured, how coordinated they are. Uh, what kind of hockey team Canada played. Uh, Team USA was actually a little bit disappointment for me if I compared how they have earlier played. I don't know how many injuries they had or what was. We lost our, our regular game against them in, in OT. So for that, it's really weird to say that I was, <laughs> I was expecting more, but I was expecting more. Uh, the way I have saw them played earlier was was really good and that's something that i know uh, we as a finnish it doesn't matter how we players or coaches but we are quite proud how we play how we how we look as a team but i think also the other countries should be i don't know how it is but uh, uh, like i said to uh, sweden coach after the bronze medal game that we lost like horrible numbers and uh, uh, of course, that's something as a Finnish guy, you never want to lose the bronze medal game to Sweden or you don't want to lose any game to Sweden. But uh, 
I was proud how we played, how we competed. They were just better team in that game, and uh, how they how they handled the whole game, how they handled it the whole whole situation afterwards. Uh, I told the coach that hey, you should be really proud of your guys that uh, they could rub it in, in our face like a really hard, but they didn't. They were very classy about it, and uh, like I said, in that game they were better team. We don't get another chance, but I hope that if we would get another chance, we could put a little bit better effort. But uh, after what we, what happened all over the world with this uh, with this COVID situation, and uh, that uh, basically enjoy and be proud of your your country, your organization, your club team. Uh, like I say, it, it's not need to be the national team game or team it's not need to be professional level it can be players born born 2013 and uh, it doesn't matter are they boys or girls but uh, basically be, be proud and enjoy the the hockey and the work to what is being done in that level wherever you are Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on and, and helping uh, coordinate with the seven-hour time difference. Yeah. It's always fun. <laughs> but, uh, no, really appreciate you coming on. And thanks again for sharing your wisdom. I think there's a lot of great points that people can take away from this. So thank you again so much for taking the time. Thank you. Like I said earlier, this was an honor, honor of being here and always challenged for speaking in English and trying to get the ideas and the thoughts on the some kind of form that the people understand it. Uh, better than me, I can say that. So take care. Thank you. Well, I hope you enjoyed that episode. I know I did. So before we let you go, though, we'd like to remind you to please like our podcast, subscribe to it, give us a follow, uh, and share this with all the hockey people in your life. We really appreciate uh, growing this community, this podcast. Um, remember, we also have a newsletter, the Hockey IQ newsletter as well. Really excited to continue to grow this. So please help us grow this further by liking, subscribing, following, and sharing uh, with everyone. So appreciate you all. Take care. That concludes this week's episode. Thanks for joining us here at Hockey IQ. If you haven't already, take a quick moment to hit that subscribe button, give us a thumbs up, and drop a review. If you want to be a great teammate, even recommend us to a friend. You can follow us at Hockey's Arsenal on Twitter and Instagram. Check out the website, hockeysarsenal.com, where you can subscribe to the weekly newsletter. You won't regret it. Catch a Buttes here next week for a brand new episode.